Let's continue in our study of Psalm 104, the Psalm of Creation. Psalm 104, the Psalm of Creation. We noted last time that as with Psalm 103, it begins with the phrase, Praise the Lord, O my soul. Whereas Psalm 103 praises the Lord for his work in history, Psalm 104 praises God for his creative and sustaining power. We began with verse 1 and looked at the ascription. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. And then in verses 2 through 30, the psalmist records the creative works of God. No doubt uh, he uses Genesis chapter 1 as the foundation for his psalm or song, this work of poetry. And so in verses 2 to 5, he highlights the first day. Verses 3 to 5, the second day. Verses 6 to 18, the third day. Verses 19 to 23, the fourth day. And then verses 24 to 30, the fifth day. And then the psalm ends with a benediction in verses 31 to 35. Now, to recap, in our last study of Psalm 104, we covered the ascription and we began the creative works of God. We looked at the first day and the second day. So let's recap the first day. Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. Psalm 104, verse 2. Covering yourself with light as with a cloak, stretching out heaven like a tent curtain. Then we move to Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 6, for the second day. Then God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and separated the waters, which were below the expanse, from the waters which were above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse heaven, and there was more evening, and there was morning, a second day. Now again, we come to Psalm 104. We read verses 3 to 5. He lays the beams of his upper chamber in the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He walks upon the wings of the wind. He makes the winds his messengers, flaming fire his ministers. He establishes the earth upon its foundations so that it will not totter forever and ever. And so verses 3 to 5 gives us uh, David's record of the second day. Now, let's go on to verses 6 through 18 and consider what David has to say in poetic form about the third day. And here on the third day, we have the separation of water and land, or water and earth. Now, let me begin by reading from Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, and we'll recap the third day. Then God said, Let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place. Let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters he called the seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind, with seed in them, and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, planting yield, plants yielding seeds after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in them, after their kind. And God saw that it was good. There was evening, and there was morning. A third day. Now let's turn to Psalm 104 and read verses 6 through 18. 
And again, here is David's poetic uh, recap of day three. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters were standing above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the sound of your thunder they hurried away. The mountains rose, the valleys sank down to the place which you established for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass over, so that they will not return to cover the earth. He sends forth springs in the valleys, they flow between the mountains. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst, beside them the birds of the heavens dwell. They lift up their voices among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chamber. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of his works. He causes the grass to grow for the cat cattle and vegetation for the labor of man so that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine which makes man's heart glad so that he may make his face glisten with oil and food which sustains man's heart the trees of the lord drink their fill the cedars of lebanon which he planted where the birds build their nest and the stork whose home is the fir trees the high mountains are for the wild goats the cliffs are a refuge for the shepanim so we see here in verses 6 through 18, that God covered the earth with the deep like a garment to be worn. Now, this takes us right back to Genesis. Uh, you know, up to this point, up to the third day, the waters covered the earth. Uh, in fact, the waters stood above the mountains. Anything that was earth was below the water. But then God caused the waters to begin to recede at your rebuke, they fled. And again, that's interesting because constantly throughout Genesis we see, and God said, and God said. You know, God spoke and it was so. And it's interesting because the justive mood of the verb that's used in Genesis tells us that it's a command. So God didn't just say, oh, waters please. No, it was a command, or as David says here, it was a rebuke. God's voice thundered, which is poetic for commanded, and the waters hastened or fled away. They hurried away. The, the waters then flowed over the mountains as the land began to appear. As the mountains were brought forth, the water receded from them. The water went down into the valleys as streams coursing towards what became known as the seas. As Genesis tells us, he gathered the land and then gathered the water and all the waters became the seas. The waters went, according to David, to the place which you found it for them. And again, we were reminded that God established the boundaries of the seas. He established the boundaries of the earth. And that is what David is referring to here. The waters went to the place which you found it for them. They're held within the bounds of the ocean that they may not return to cover the earth. Just as we read in verse 9 of Genesis 1, God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place. Let the dry land appear. And it was so. It happened just that way. So God not only creates the earth with its seas and its continents, but we see here that he rules over them. It is he who commanded the oceans and the lands to appear where they appeared and to gather where they gathered. And so he is the sovereign one over creation. He established a place for them. He set their boundary. And again, when did he establish this boundary? Not on the day of creation, but rather as part of his eternal decree made in eternity past. He determined the boundaries for the seas or the oceans and the boundaries for the continents. Let's go on. Now, though the waters of the deep have gone to the ocean, 
God still provides the needed moisture for the earth. Notice David says he sends the springs into the valleys from the hills above. And these springs supply every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the heaven are provided for, and their thirst is quenched. The birds sing, that is, they rejoice among the branches. And also, notice verse 13. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. This is a confirmation to us that God created rainfall to accompany the natural springs. This idea that rain didn't occur until Noah's flood is utter nonsense. Okay, It's a denial of the hydrologic cycle that God created to water the earth within the six days of creation. David's testifying to the fact that God created rain. He waters the hills from the upper chambers, the upper atmosphere that he had separated on the previous days. Since God dwells above the watery firmament, he opens the windows of heaven and he sends down showers. Again, we are reminded in Genesis 7:11 that once again the windows of heaven were open there and it poured rain. That time, though, not just to send showers to water the earth, but to destroy the earth. As a result of this rainfall that God sends, the earth is satisfied with the fruit of God's works. Again, this is God actively not only creating, but providing, sustaining the earth. So now the earth is watered, and then in verse 14, God causes grass to grow and vegetation. The grass is for the cattle. The vegetation is for humanity. The word vegetation or herb, as we have it here, he says, I've given you every vegetation or every herb that yields seed, according to Genesis 1.29, that's on the face of all the earth, every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, to Adam, to Eve, to humanity, it shall be for food. Now, what is humanity's responsibility with this land that God has brought forth, with this vegetation that God has brought forth here on day three? Well, humanity now is to farm the land. God's purpose is that man would bring forth food from the earth. And that word food there can be translated as bread. And, of course, we know that uh, bread would have to come from grain. And so, you know, there's this anticipation that man is going to harvest the fields of grain. He's going to grind the grain into flour. He's going to bake the flour into bread and be satisfied. Also, God provided grapes to produce wine, which would make glad the heart of man. Oil from the olive tree to make his face shine. Now, again, uh, olive oil is not just something used for uh, cooking or baking, but in the climate, oil protected and cleansed the skin. And to be anointed with oil was a sign of blessing. And so God provided man what he needed. He blessed man. He blessed man with food, with drink, and with provision uh, for health and uh, cleansing and things of that nature. Uh, finally, there is the bread which strengthens man's heart. That uh, is a reference to the fact that uh, the food, these foods were the staple of human life. Now, beyond grass and food, there are trees. Notice the text says, The trees of the Lord drink their fill. Uh, some versions render it, The trees of the Lord are filled with sap. The Hebrew in the Masoretic text reads, The trees of the Lord will be satisfied, or they will be blessed. And I believe that's a better rendering here, specifically when we see the next statement. 
Notice what the psalmist says next. The cedars of Lebanon, which he planted. The cedars of Lebanon. It was Yahweh who put these trees in Lebanon. And why did he put these trees in Lebanon? To provide a habitation for the birds who would nest there. Uh, specifically the stork who has her home in the fir trees. Beyond the vegetation there are hills. The hills are high for the wild goats. The cliffs are a refuge for the rock badgers. Now what we see here is that these trees will be blessed. How? They'll be blessed because they are created for a purpose. They're created to provide a place of rest for the birds, as well a place of shade for humanity and the other animals. So as we recap day three, we see here David praising God for his design and control of the ecosystem. God designed the ecosystem. God sustains the ecosystem. God did it all so that man and beast, humanity and creatures alike, might be fed from the earth. The trees provide for the birds, the hills and the cliffs house the appropriate animals, and the fields produce grain and such for which we have vegetation and grains for bread and so forth for our daily provision. All of these things reveal the direct care of God himself. God makes it all happen. And so, my friends, when you sit down at your table to eat and break bread, reflect on the fact that on day three, God created all those grains. When you look out upon the trees or upon the mountains, when you look out at the hills, when you see the birds flutter through the air or the animals uh, dotting the landscape, remember... All of that was created by God. And God created each of those things for the purpose of sustaining human life. How wonderfully are we created? How majestically has God made us? He has made us in such a way that he takes care of us in every imaginable way possible. He provides all of our needs. And so let us make sure that we give God praise that as our creator, and Redeemer, he is also our daily provider. Our Father, King, Lord, Creator, we come before you and give you the praise because we are redeemed by the matchless blood of Jesus Christ. We come to you through your Son, Jesus, the Messiah. Father, Lord, uh, we give you the praise. We lift you up for all that you've done, for all that you continue to do and will do in the days ahead. Father, uh, your ways are beyond our ways. Uh, we would never have thought of the intricacies uh, needed to sustain life, and yet that is what you did. Before you created one thing, you had a plan in place to provide for everything. And so, Father, we are just astounded at your detail, at, at your uh, infinite wisdom. Father, I ask and pray that you would forgive us when we take so much for granted, uh, Lord, we sit down to eat and, and we just take it for granted. Uh, we, we have all kinds of uh, foods available to us, meats, vegetables, breads, etc. And yet, Father, so often we are just have a ho-hum attitude that it's there and we partake and that's it. But, Father, I ask and pray that as we see those things, we would see your hand of provision in each of them. Father, as we see the trees, we're reminded that you provide it for the birds. We see the cliffs and you provide it for those animals. Uh, Father, 
Father, all through creation, you made provision for those living creatures. And of course, we are the penultimate living creature that you created, set apart from all others because we are made in your image and your likeness. And so, Father, forgive us for not praising you enough. Help us, direct us, encourage us, prompt us through your spirit to give you the praise that is due, even for the little things, even for the slice of bread. May we give you praise. And so, Father, I ask that praise might be be upon our lips today, tomorrow, and for the remainder of the days we have upon this earth. We pray these things to you, and we say, Amen.